Courtside Club is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. You know, I think T.O. is the most misunderstood athlete of our era. I really do. What's up, you guys? I'm Rachel Demita, and welcome to the Courtside Club. Today, I'm joined by an OG in sports media. We have Fox Sports host, actor, and author Mike Hill. Mike, welcome to the Courtside Club. Rachel, Rachel, what's happening? How you doing? Good to see you. Been a minute. I'm doing well. Uh, so I had to go back in the archives, and because yeah. I was like, it's been a few years since we've gotten together. It's been almost ten years. Almost ten years, and you, and years. you, you have not aged. You look the same. <laughs> I have changed a lot. Look, the grays are here. The worry, the stress. I think I may have less hair. I may have lost a little weight, but, you know, that's from stress as well. So, but you look great. <laughs> I think you look great, too. Uh, we were we were actually on the court together. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Well, yeah. YouTube space. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. I remember very well. Uh, we was playing a game of horse. And you beat me. Uh, fair and square. I'm not going to make any excuses. <laughs> Even though I was coming off of Achilles surgery, I do remember that part. And I hadn't really been on an outdoor court in a long period of time. Once again, I'm not making any excuses. You won. You beat me. I'm still waiting to get that rematch. But I guess I can wait another 10 years if I need to. But I'm going to get that rematch because I'm very competitive. It was in a parking lot. I I will give that to you. The room was a little shaky. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. We'll run it back. I, I was thinking about it, though. That was kind of the first time that traditional media and the social media started to merge. Yeah. Because Fox Sports was there and I think you were new to Fox Sports at the time, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, we had just uh, launched FS1. I mean, so FS1 this will be 10 years that FS1 has been around. Obviously Fox Sports has been around for like 30 years now, NFL and all that type of stuff, but FS1, the cable outlet of Fox just started in August of 2013, so this year be marked the 10-year anniversary, and I'm still there. So, yeah, we had just started. You're an OG in this space, and you talk about me not aging, but you've been in this game almost 30 years, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. You look great, still holding it down, still diversifying yourself as media shapes into these new formats and goes more digital, more into social. But I want to know from your perspective, because you have been in this space for so long, what has been the biggest change that you have noticed over the years in media and sports and in entertainment? When I started off, media was just about, it was X's and O's. It was about journalism, ask the question, answer the question. Now it's become more of an opinionated space. Drama, uh, controversy, all that type of stuff seems like it's uh, overtaken uh, sports journalism, so to speak. It used to be Sports Center was the king. And then when we came in, we was doing Fox Sports uh, uh, night. And we had our daily show that we was doing. I had America's pregame. But it's more about debate now, uh, which is pretty cool because, you know, you kind of bring the barbershop inside of um, the broadcast studios and uh, everybody's got an opinion. Right. So what you want is that you get the viewers to basically yell and scream at somebody who they agree with or disagree with. And, you know, uh, once again, uh, applaud those who they do agree with. But it's changed a lot. Uh, I've tried to kind of go with the flow a little bit here and there, but I I can only scream and yell and debate if I think Michael Jordan's better than LeBron so many times. And what I've learned over the years is that 
I'm never going to convince a LeBron fan that Michael Jordan is better. That's just not going to happen. So that's the biggest uh, that I've seen. But also with the social media becoming a more and more of an impact, you see a little bit more on Instagram. You see the clips on Instagram and on Twitter. Like you said, your space. YouTube was starting to become a little bit more. And it's, it's even more so now because you got basically channels and you got networks almost on YouTube now and other outlets like that. So it's changed a lot. And I, I like the change uh, for the better because it's getting a lot more people involved. And it's, you know, I, I just like evolution. You talk about the the screaming and yelling. Everybody has an opinion. Obviously, on social media, we are seeing the world's opinion mm-hmm. at all times, which uh, for somebody who kind of came up on social media and I started on YouTube and obviously like you saw the beginning of my career, that's that's all I was doing was YouTube. But to me, it has gotten even harder to keep your mental sanity (laughs) with all of these different platforms. But one thing that I do like that you do with your social media is is I feel like you you try to share uplifting messages Mm. um, and share a little bit more into your personal life. And it's relatable in a sense that we might not see from other public figures. So talk about your, your mic checks. A little yeah. bit. My mic checks came from, you know, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Open Mic, my 50th birthday, and it was my memoir. And it talked about my personal life and the things that I've had to overcome in my life. A lot of the traumas that I had to overcome from my childhood that a lot of people didn't know about. A lot of people knew me from ESPN and maybe Fox and even, you know, when I was on the reality show and I was married uh, to Cynthia, but they didn't know the personal side of me. They just saw this persona. They saw this image that you know, a lot of people in the business put out there. So when I wrote this memoir, I had to put this memoir out because I felt like, you know, what people told me it could help people because it helped me. It was my first form of therapy. It was my first time that I actually knew I needed therapy because I didn't know. Um, when I first started writing the book, I just remember that um, before, I, I'm, I'm sorry, before I wrote the book, I just remember crying all the time and didn't know why, because I had a good job. I was living a good life. I was making good money. But I was like, why am I crying so much? Am I like, am I losing my testosterone? Do I need to take testosterone pills? What's wrong? I'm losing my manhood. And um, I realized that I just had all this pain and the suffering and this trauma that was built up on the inside of me that I needed to release. And so being able to write that memoir and allowing that to come out and talking about the domestic violence that I saw coming up, talking about the abuse I saw coming up, talking about seeing my best friend being killed in a drive-by shooting, talking about the, my tumultuous relationships that I've had in the past and mistakes that I've had in the past. And even my broadcasting career, the ups and downs of being who I am in this business and seeing all of that that I had to go through, that I had to overcome, that I had to try and overcome, that I didn't even realize that was trauma. You know, I had to get that off my chest and that became my therapy. So after I wrote that, I realized that I still needed to have an outlet. And I realized that since I was being so vulnerable, that's one of the reasons why you see me without anything on, because I wanted to be vulnerable. I wanted to bear my truth and bear my soul. I felt like I needed to have a continuation of that. So I think as public figures, and I think it's important for people like you and celebrities and other people like that to basically show people who you really are. Because like you said, on social media, we put out these perceptions and these images of life is so great, it's so grand, I'm living this great life, I'm on this set over here today, I'm acting tomorrow, I'm writing this book, I'm driving this fancy car, whatever. But behind the scenes, you may be going through some difficulties that your fans or people who watch you or look up to you on television need to know about, right? 
Because if you don't do that, then they get this perception that that's the life that they should be living and you don't have any problems. Meanwhile, they're over here and they got a plethora of problems and they're looking at you like, wow, how come I can't be like him or her? Whereas even though you can live a lifestyle and you can have a lot of things, you still have issues. So what I started doing with my mic chase is like, hey, you know what? You can see me on television doing this and I'm a smile. And yes, I'm happy on the inside, but I had to learn how to get my happiness. So I use my mic checks as a way to remind people that I'm human, too, and that I go through issues and that I have pain and I have suffering. So what I do is I'll think of a topic or whatever and just emote and basically tell people, hey, this is how I felt. This is what I went through. This is one time where I wanted to basically kill the guys to work with. Honestly, just honest conversations and how I was able to overcome that and what, you know, the message was that was involved in that and how I was able to grow and become a better person. So, you know, it's gotten, a, you know, good feedback and, and, and gotten a good response or whatnot. And I need to put more of those out there, but they have to be natural. They have to be something that is organic because I just can't make up something that's not inside of me and try and put it out there or people can they'll realize that you're not telling them the truth. And so I just want to speak my honest truth and um, put it out there and hopefully people will, will get something out of it. I think that's super powerful. And even obviously in your book went so much further into detail and we're not just getting the, the little snippets that we see on social. Comparison is the thief of joy when you're <laughs> when you're watching everybody else's social media and they see the bright lights. And, and I honestly, I should take a page out of your book because I have a hard time showing some of those other sides because there's this this battle with me, right? Like I want people to be able to come to my page and come to to my videos and see what I'm doing. And it's like an outlet for them, right? Mm -hmm. They come come there, it's happy, it's exciting, we have fun. Um, so I don't want to to maybe dwell on the problems or the struggles, but I do think that that's important because I've even, you know, caught myself at times looking at other people's lives or comparing what they have or where they're at in their career to where I'm at in my career. And it's just such a human thing. When you were growing up, was there ever a, a turning point for you where you saw the trajectory of your life shift and maybe put you on the path that you're on today. I'm still evolving. It's, 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 I don't think there was a, at one point in my life where I said, you know, I got to do something that's different outside of the, outside the last five years. Right. Um, Cause when I was younger, I grew up in an environment that wasn't, I, I was, I didn't say I was poor, but I hate to say poor. We were broke. Uh, poor is a mindset. I think broke is your, your financial state. We, we didn't have a lot of money. So I knew that there was something that was out there for me, uh, coming from New York and then moving to Alabama. I knew that, oh, what I had in New York was better than Alabama. So I want to go back to New York, but also in New York, I knew that there was something better in New York. So there was always something that was innate in me that made me feel like, I can do much more than what I have right now. And even though back then we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Google. So it wasn't like I could see a lot of images of people who look like me on television and say, hey, you know what, outside the Cosby show, this is a good life or whatever. So um, I th- I just think that was something that was just God given. I- I'm-, I'm grateful for that. I think that's a blessing. I think that's the grace that he gave me. I think that's one of the you know, the, 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 the blessings that he gave me, uh, the favor that he gave me when it came to that. But the shift 
like I said, if it wasn't over the last five years, I don't know what really changed. The shift for me over the last five years was once again, starting to write the book and then realizing I needed that therapy. Uh, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I'm such an advocate right now for everybody to go and talk to somebody and get that mental therapy, that help that you need, because, you know, we deal with a lot of traumas that we just suppress uh, for so many years and we don't even realize it's there. I mean, the fact that we survived 2020 alone with everything that we saw being in the house and the pandemic and the images that we saw on television from daily and then the politics of this world, this country and everything that's going on and, you know, like dealing with work and losing jobs, inflation, gas, all that is trauma that, you know, we've learned to live with, but we still have to have an outlet to deal with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I just think that was my shift. That's what made me focus and say, you know what, no matter what I do, uh, even if my job is to make people happy, I'm still going to use part of my platform to show people that, hey, even though you live a good life, there's a better life over here. And even if your life you feel like it's not great, it can get better if you focus and put yourself first and make yourself happy. Because that is the bottom line when I tell people all the time about their happiness. Happiness is a choice, first and foremost. And secondly, your happiness is up to you. Nobody can make you happy. People can maintain your happiness or pour into your happiness and add to your happiness. But your happiness comes from within. And that's what I had to learn how to do is just to make myself happy and not look at uh, to other places or other things to, 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 to bring me that joy. That's been something that is hard for me too, because I find so much identity and, and happiness and joy through my career and through work. But obviously, as we know, we've been in this industry for, I mean, you've been in it three times as long as I have, uh, but there are ebbs and flows. Ebbs and it's flows. up and down. Yeah. Yep. And some things are out of your control as well. Yep. And you have to find how to be comfortable in that. But that, that's, that was one of my mic checks. It's like, you know what? Be th- What I've learned over the years is be thankful for the great times. Obviously, we because when we get a job, somebody chooses us and say, Rachel, you're our girl. We want you to host this program or whatever. Yes, you're happy. You're joyful. You're so you're blah, 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 blah. You just jump up and down. You tell the world you want to put that on social media. What about the times when they choose somebody else? What about the times when they say, you know what, nah, we, you're not really our type or whatever. We, we go through that and we're going to have a lot of no's. For the most part, a lot of us, especially starting off, you're going to have more no's and you're going to have yeses. But what I've learned to do is be thankful for the no's because there are so many no's. I told you this story about when I lost my job in Dallas and I was going to go to, that was one of my mic checks, went to Dallas and I was out of work for a year and a half and this guy was bad mouthing me or whatever for no reason. It was a lot of racial issues that were going on and all that type of stuff. And I finally got an opportunity to interview for a job in Tampa and I needed a job. And I went and interviewed in the job in Tampa and the guy told me, hey, basically, if I don't find out you're an axe murderer, you got this job. Two weeks go by, I don't hear anything. And I'm like, what's going on? Why don't I have, I'm supposed to be moving to Tampa. I'm trying to move my family to Tampa. Call back, find out this guy has been bad-mouthing me to the people in Tampa. I can't even get that job in Tampa. This is when I wanted to go down there and hurt this man, right? Something spoke to me and said, you know what? I got something better for you. After that, two weeks later, that's when I got a job from, I got a call from ESPN. So once again, that no of Tampa, they saying no, or whatever, for whatever reason it was, if I would have accepted that job in Tampa, I would have never gotten my opportunity at ESPN, which came a couple of weeks later. 
You understand what I'm saying? So I had to yeah. be thankful for that no, because if it wasn't for that no, I wouldn't have gotten the right yes that I needed that propelled my career and made me who I am today. Because being that ESPN for nine to 10 years put me on the map and allowed me to have the career, the radio shows, TVs, the exposure and all that stuff. The job at Fox Sports that I enjoy today was because of that opportunity at ESPN. Mike, since you said that, it made me think of what happened to me and you kind of play into it, which is crazy because I don't even know if I've told this story before. Uh, so we obviously I worked with Fox Sports one at YouTube space when you and I met and we played that game of horse and made mm. that YouTube video. Right. That was my first time ever working with Fox Sports. And then they had approached me and said that we're doing this show for FS1 that we'd like you to audition for. So I auditioned for it. Like my, I, I did the original and then I think I have two callbacks mm. and it was between me and one other person. I think it was for Crowd Goes Wild. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I remember Crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So Katie Nolan ended up getting that job and she's great. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I remember at the time, cause I had been like months of going through these auditions. I was devastated and I was like, wow, like I really thought this was going to be kind of my first, you know, regular hosting gig. And I, I was really devastated. And I think that that was in like February that they told me that, you know, they had went with somebody else. Anyway, mm-hmm. three months later is when 2K called me. And so again, I wouldn't have been able to do my job at NBA 2K TV if I did not get that original no from Fox. How Sports. long did you, how long did you have the job? You still at 2K? How long did you have the job at 2K? I was with 2K for five years. Five years. So, Crowd yeah. goes wow, got canceled before a year. Think about yeah. that. Right. Got, so <laughs> had you gotten the job, you could have, they right. would have flown you to New York. It was You was on Regis. I'm not saying it, it could have propelled you. I mean, Katie mm-hmm. obviously made a name for herself in that show or whatnot. And, and sure. it helped. So you still would have done great with your career. But the fact that, who knows, it, it could have been the wrong yes. And so that's what people got to understand. Sometimes you get a yes and you're excited about that yes you think it's a right opportunity but it could be the wrong yes it could be the wrong opportunity that could actually derail your career or stifle mm-hmm. your career sometimes so that's what i'm saying like I, and i'm a very spiritual person and i i you know i've always been a spiritual person but now i've learned to just kind of let go and let god and so when it comes to that i'm like you know what yeah i didn't get the job but you know something better is going to come along uh, for example, like uh, right now, I'm I'm in a in a situation where you know I'm an OG in this game. People know me for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time, but I'm freelancing pretty much over at Fox now. I do uh, uh, seasonal stuff, you know, college basketball, college football, and I get a lot of run. Don't get me wrong, but after college basketball season, it's like okay, now I got to hustle. Now I got to go out here and I got to find acting gigs. I got to find commercials. I got to find little side gigs here until something permanent comes along. So what I'm saying is like I could panic. I can get upset about things and opportunities come along. I've seen other people get opportunities. I'm like, well, why, what about me? How come not even being considered? I can say all that to myself. And I'm like, you know what? That's not for me. What's for you is for you. And what's for them is for them. And once you put that mindset into play and you realize that and you have that type of attitude and you go forward, and like, okay, well, what's next? You're going to be so much better for you and your career and whatnot. And once again, sometimes getting an opportunity may not be the opportunity that you actually need or that is going to be beneficial to you. So remember that. I appreciate that. And I feel like everybody listening can appreciate that too. Whatever stage of life you're at, whatever career path you're on, whatever your goal is that you're going after. And it also takes some experience to like get that through your mind too. 
Mm -hmm. first couple knows hurt a little bit worse. <laughs> they, they all sting. They all sting. They, they all sting. sting. It's kind of like, you know what? Okay, well, all right. Well, that, that means I'm just going to work hard and, and, and make it happen somewhere else. Mike, I want to get more into uh, sports, college football after halftime, but I would like to take a halftime break if you're down. Okay, let's do it. Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code Omaha Full and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a free bet. Must be 21 or older, offer valid, and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. That amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas, Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369. We're going to go back to a classic start bench cut. <laughs> okay, okay, start bench cut. I got you. You've been a football guy for a while. I have NFL quarterbacks. We have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning. Ooh. Start bench cut. Oh. Well, obviously <laughs> I'm starting to go Tom Brady. Um, okay. And I am going to bench Peyton Manning. And I'm going to cut Aaron Rodgers. I'm obviously Tom Brady self-explanatory. Peyton Manning is the most cerebral quarterback that's ever played this game. So I want that capable backup that if Tom doesn't get the job done, I know Peyton's going to get the job done. And okay. Aaron, while he's incredibly gifted and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, mm, I don't know if I want the personality and I don't know if I want <laughs> the person that when it comes playoff time, he doesn't get the job done. So yeah, that's why okay. I'm going to put Aaron Rodgers. All right, Mike, we have some wide receivers. We have Jerry Rice. Okay. T.O., you were just mm -hmm. on his show. Yeah. And Calvin Johnson. Okay. All right. So I'm going to cut Megatron, even though I love Calvin Johnson. I think if he would have been playing for a better team, he would have been definitely top three receiver all time. I am going to, believe it or not, bench people who believe is the GOAT, Jerry Rice. I'm benching. Okay. And I'm going okay. to start my man T.O. because that's my man. That's my guy. I just, you know, if, if I'm <laughs> starting a team, if he's on my team, I got to start my guy. I got to start T.O. I think T.O. is the most misunderstood athlete of our era. 
I really do. I believe this is a man who, and I'm doing a lot of things with T.O., so I'm getting to know him a lot better. But if you read his book, you'll understand his background. So we was talking about the background of people and getting to know who they are and their mental health and all that type of stuff. T.O. has gone through a lot in his childhood and it became part of his persona, if people know that. So we're, we're working on a couple of things that's coming out pretty soon. So watch out. Cool. Get your popcorn ready for T.O. No, I was actually really impressed with your guys' conversation on his show. I thought it was great. Thank and you. he went into more depth than I think I expected from him as well. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a deep guy. There's one, like I said, I just think he's misunderstood. And uh, because of the media, we've done a good job. Like, And that's the thing about it. We was talking about the beginning of this, this, this show, um, how things have changed. It's like you can have a guy like Skip Bayless who can come out and be for you or against you or Stephen A. Smith before he gets you. And it can divide a lot of your fan bases out there when it comes to uh, a lot of these teams and a lot of these organizations in, 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 in uh, different sports. So, you know, I think he's one of those guys that got a bad rap because he's never gotten in trouble off the field. Uh, he doesn't drink. He's just started drinking, as a matter of fact, because he has a wine company. But he doesn't drink hard alcohol. He doesn't smoke. Never been arrested for domestic violence, anything like that, DUIs, none of that type of stuff. But yet he's got one of the worst raps of NFL and NFL history. So and I think it's misunderstood. Well, we will be on the lookout for what's next for you guys. All right. Next up, we have some teams. I know you, you were in New York and Alabama. So yeah. we have... Alabama, mm -hmm. roll tide, roll tide. Uh, <laughs> the Giants, Oof. and throw basketball in there. The Knicks. Oh, start bench cut. <laughs> oh, all right. So I'm gonna start with Alabama, the Crimson Tide, because Nick Saban. That's the greatest college football program of all time, in my opinion. So I'm definitely going Alabama, the dominance that they have. I am going to bench. New York Giants, because even though, you know, before this year, the last couple of years have been very, uh, had a lot of drought. Uh, they have won four Super Bowls. And then I'm just going to cut the Knicks because they just get on my nerves, man. I just can't. They are just, they are that, that problem child. It's almost like <laughs> having a child who gets in trouble all the time. Like you got to love them because it's your child. But at the same time, like you get sick of them, you just want to get rid of them. You wish you can just emancipate yourself from them, but you can't let them go. That's how it is <laughs> with the Knicks. They are just, they are so disappointing and they bring back so many daddy issues I have. It's like they look promising in the beginning and then all of a sudden they just break your heart. And I got to learn not to let the Knicks break my heart rate you because they break my heart every single year. That's the New York Knicks. So I'm tired of the New York Knicks. So cut them. As a matter of fact, get rid of them. I don't even want to talk about them anymore. See, you got me fired up, Rachel. You're about to storm off just because of that question. <laughs> no, they give you that little sliver of hope just they, to crush your hopes and dreams. Yeah, it's just, it, they just, yeah. they team. I'm an Ohio sports fan, so I feel that to the core. Ooh. I feel like all of our teams on every single level have, have done that to us year in and year out. Ohio State being a, the purest example of that this season. Mm -hmm. We can talk mm -hmm. about that later. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I feel your pain. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, yeah. I was, I was there at the Michigan-Ohio State game. Oh. Yeah, I was okay. there. I saw it firsthand. All right, moving on. Let's talk about some current players in the NBA. Okay. We have Luca, Giannis, and Ja. Ooh. 
Ooh. Three exciting players right now. Ooh. Kind of this this new school wave that we have. All right. I'm going to start Luca because he can do it. There's nothing. Luca's my favorite player in the NBA. I love Luca Doncic. Uh, there's nothing this man can't do. I wish he was a better defender, but we're not going to worry about that. Um, and I'm going to bench Giannis as much as I hate it. If Giannis had a jump shot, he would be unstoppable. If he had a consistent jump shot. And Ja, do I have to cut Ja? Can I just <laughs> put him on waivers and then maybe if nobody other team claims him, I can pick him back up? I mean, like, I don't want to cut Ja. I love. Why you make me do this? But if I had to cut one, I would cut Ja. That's hard. Yeah, that's tough. That's hard. That's, tough. that's hard. But I, yeah, yeah, he'd have to go. They're all all three such exciting players. And right when you think that Jaws kind of hit his ceiling, like no pun intended, because he's literally hitting the ceiling um, yes. when he dunks. But he he surprises you even more. And I feel like just watching his growth and and his ability to, you know, not only just be this explosive player, he, he's he's taking it up a notch every season. So it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, okay. Last but not least, some shows that you've been a part of. We have America's Pregame, we have Fox Sports Live, and we have Hyperdrive. That was on oh. Netflix. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cut Fox Sports Live because I was a part of that show, but that wasn't my show. Uh, okay. America's Pregame was my baby. So I'm starting America's Pregame. That was my baby, hosted by moi, my show. So, And then I'm going to bench Hyperdrive because even though I was the host of that show, I have three other co-hosts with me or whatnot, and it was, you know, it was about the drivers or whatever. But yeah, I, it sounds a little selfish, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with that. I think America's pregame. I think it could have been a, a really good show. I would have tweaked some things here and there, and I would have given a little bit more promotion from Fox. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the story. Everything happens for a reason. So having that experience is propelled me and, and made me a better person, a better broadcaster, I should say. It prepared me for actually hyperdrive to be able to have the opportunity on hyperdrive. And we will see what's next. Okay, it's time for the second half. All right. We talked about college football a little bit. You covered it this season. What was the best game that you covered and what teams really excited you this season? Well, obviously the most exciting game I covered this year, just the most exciting experience I had um, not just this year, but maybe in a long time was just being in the environment of being at my first Ohio State Michigan game uh, to be there in Columbus to see all those people there. I know it was heartbreaking for you, Rachel, and a lot of people there, but uh, to be there on the set with Urban Meyer to be able to hang out with Urban the night before and or the night after uh, the night before, and then to to get his thoughts about that game and the intensity and the struggle as a coach and the emotions that the coaches and the players are going through to get that feeling, to be in that environment. It was just something I'll never forget. Um, Who were you rooting for? Were you rooting for OSU? I, I, I can't say, you know, I was, I, I won't say who I was rooting for because I don't want to upset you, but I just, I oh, like God. Michigan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is about Ohio State. No. I have respect Ohio State, respect the players, respect Urban Meyer, obviously, because he's a colleague of mine. I've gotten to know him a little bit better over this this past year when I started doing Big Noon Kickoff. 
uh, filling in for Rob Stone. But um, yeah, Michigan, I've just been intrigued by their players in, 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 in Harbaugh and trying to get over that hump. You know, maybe it was just the underdog role of them just losing so many years. And I predicted last year they would beat Ohio State. And this year, I really thought Ohio State was going to beat them because Michigan didn't have their star running back, Blake Corum. But they surprised everybody. I think Ohio State's defense just did a poor job in the second half of not adjusting. And it just, it just, you know, uh, it, it was an avalanche. And the the fact that Ryan Day, who's Ohio State's head coach, <laughs> he's lost pretty much three games over the last two seasons. I'm glad you think this Michigan. is so funny. <laughs> they won in the college football playoffs, three huge games, and they want to basically fire this man. That lets you know how intense this robbery is because Urban used to told me, he's like, during this week, you can't sleep at night. You can't sleep thinking about it. Your families are affected by it. Ryan Day's family's affected. His kids have been pulled out of school, I believe, or whatever. They got issues at school or whatnot. It is just that intense when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan. So by far, that game was the most memorable game that I covered this this past season. I think that's the thing of being an Ohioan. It's take the entire record from both teams completely away when it comes down to that game because I don't care if Ohio State is one and eight and Michigan is eight and one. When it when you get on that field for that game, it's like everything is out the window. It is. Only those two teams, and they're both going to be there to compete. That's why National I think national championship. Now, they told me, Urban Meyer every, told me that year. the Ohio State Michigan game, the winner. That's he said it was more intense preparing for that game than preparing for a national championship game. That's how meaningful and important that game is to people who live in Michigan and Ohio. Can we talk about how uh, my New Year's Eve was absolutely ruined? <laughs> oh, my God. Your New Year's Day. Like, uh, I, I'm looking at this. It, if, if you're on the East Coast, I don't know where you are now, but on the East Coast, the kick goes through the uh, – or misses. He misses the kick right at midnight. How crazy is that? I'm at dinner, right, trying to have a normal New Year's Eve, and I was watching it. We, we actually went to the Oklahoma City – Thunder game. I was in Oklahoma. We watched, we were at that game and then we went to dinner after to like have a normal, you know, New Year's Eve with my boyfriend who doesn't really care about Ohio State. He's from Texas, right? Uh -huh. But I'm watching it on my phone and I'm like, oh, field goal, right? Mm -hmm. This is fine. This is within range. They're, they're panning over. Georgia players are already crying. I'm yeah, like, we're yeah. good. It's fine. Uh -huh. So I look away for a second duh, 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 and I look back and I'm like, wait, why is, then I see Ohio State players crying, mm. and I'm so confused. <laughs> wait, wait oh, what? Because I didn't, I didn't watch the play. I thought we were good. I was like, "This is it." You say, you say, Happy know? New Year. We're there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, then I look back. I said, "You're kidding, right?" And I think I was laughing like this. I was like, "This has to be a joke." Like this. Yeah. There's no, there's no chance, you know. And everybody yeah, had yeah, Georgia, yeah. and obviously, you know, we saw what Georgia did in the national championship. But come on, man. And and that that probably makes it worse because you were that close to defeating the team that destroyed TCU in the national championship game. Exactly. And you know, exactly. and, and 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 also as an Ohio State fan, even more so because earlier you saw Michigan lose, which made you feel great. You're like, okay, well, we would have loved to have played them in the national championship game, but nothing is better than outside of an Ohio State win then Michigan right. losing to anybody, right? If you're an right. Ohio State fan. So you see Michigan lose, so you're already hyped for that. You're playing right. Georgia. You're up by double digits against Georgia, the defending national champions. 
You blow that lead, you come down the field, you have an opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal to go to the national championship game, and it's not even close. And then you see the next week that Georgia destroys this team that you know right. you probably would have destroyed too and won a national championship. So it was yeah, a terrible game. To, but that's pretty much what you had to go through. Yeah, it was tough. And you know what? This is the last thing I'm going to say on it. Uh, <laughs> I said, I was like, it's either going to be Ohio State, Michigan and this championship, which is what I want. I would love a rematch. Or it's going to be TCU, Georgia. That's in mm. my mind. I had already prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when Michigan lost, I was like, oh, we're, we're still, we're, we'll still win, but it won't be as fun. That championship game won't be as fun as right. Michigan got right. there. But I guess I was right all along. I was like, this yeah. is how the cards are going to fall. It's either going to be this fairy tale ending that we all right. want selfishly uh-huh. or anyway, I just made that whole segment about myself, but I think no, I that's okay. a little that's bit. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is, this is once again, we always go back to therapy. You got to let it go. You got to get it out your system. You got to be able to expel. The, the 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 bad thing is if y'all would have played Michigan in a national championship game and lost, Again, I just don't yeah. think you probably would have canceled this football season coming up. I mean, just like, just why even bother? <laughs> why even bother? Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel uh, about the Giants season? Pleasantly surprised. I am. I will take it. You know, the fact that they got to the playoffs, they got to a good start, got to the playoffs, the fact that. We saw progress with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley was healthy again, and the fact that they actually won a playoff game. I mean, I who who as a Giants fan wouldn't take that? I knew this team wasn't going to the Super Bowl. I knew this team wasn't capable of winning the Super Bowl unless everything else fell out of place for every other team in the National Football League. But to see progress, I'm just hoping that they can build on it now. And we'll see what they do with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in the offseason. That's going to be the big question. Do you think that they can build? Because I, I've seen a lot of I feel like people are split. The problem is like you can't I don't you can't overpay Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I would like to see what Daniel Jones does with a healthy line, a good line that protects him, um, and some weapons. Give him some weapons. I would like to see him have a quality number one receiver in the National Football League and a solid offensive line, and I want to see what Daniel Jones can do. I think the defense is going to build on, you know, what they started this year, even though they weren't great in the uh, in the playoff game against Philadelphia Eagles. I think they can build on that, but I'm more concerned about what uh, kind of weapons and what kind of uh, toys that Brian Dayball is going to be able to get this offseason to, to go along with Daniel Jones if they decide to keep him. Last on the football note, do you have a Super Bowl prediction? I do. I am. All right. Uh, in the AFC, I'm going to go with, I think, oh, I wanted to go with Kansas. I just don't know with, with, with Patrick Mahomes and his, his his leg. If Patrick Mahomes were healthy, I would definitely go all in on Kansas City. But even Patrick Mahomes on one leg is better than 90% of the league. So I'm <laughs> going to begrudgingly say Kansas City only because they got home field, right? Right. So they got okay. home field there, right? But Joe Burrow's that guy, man. So I'm going to say Kansas City. And then on the NFC side, I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I just made that decision right now. I mean, like, I mean, you got a rookie quarterback, Purdy. When is the Cinderella? When is the time up? When is the clock strike 12? And so it would be good to see Andy Reid trying to win another Super Bowl against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. That would be pretty good. Nice matchup, Kansas City, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. 
That's my prediction. I'm just I'll, I'll put the Bengals in there just for Ohio. So for Ohio. I mean, just they went last Ohio. year. You know, but the fact <laughs> that they've won five playoff games over the last two years, I mean, like, the look, Cincinnati's here. They're, this That team's for real. And they still don't have yeah. an offensive line in front of uh, Joe Burrow. But, once again, Joe Burrow's that guy. That That's – if you're a Bengals fan, if you're a Cincinnati fan, you have to be pleased knowing that you have a – quality quarterback you have an elite quarterback and not many teams can say that and that's the reason why as a Giants fan I'm not ready to let go of Daniel Jones because there are Mm -hmm. only so many elite quarterbacks in the league and fortunately for Bengals fans you got one Kansas City Eagles did you say who you're taking uh and it comes down to it down to the help of Patrick Mahomes but by that time two week by I'm gonna say Kansas City wins it all Kansas City in a close one I'm going 27-23 Kansas City over the Eagles. Early line. Okay. (laughs) We'll come back to this in a few weeks. Yes. Cool. All right, Mike, before we let you go, I have some buzzer beaters for you. Okay. All right, what is the best game that you've ever sat courtside or fieldside for? Yankees 2000 World Series. uh, Game five, winning the whole thing. I'm a big Yankee fan, so yeah, just being there, uh, covering that game, that's the, the best feeling I had. And then being in the parade a week later. That's cool. Yeah. Who were they playing against? They were playing the Mets. That was the Subway Series in 2000. Yeah. Nice. Who was one person dead or alive that you would love to sit courtside with? Man, I would love to take in a game with Will Smith. I, oh, I, I, I know people are down on Will, but I still love Will, man. I just think that he had a moment. Once again, goes back to the mental health and everything that he's been suppressing. So I would love because I, I just think he's a down to earth. He's a quality guy and he loves sports too. So yeah, Will Smith. And he'd be funny. Yeah, it'd be fun. He'd be fun. And last but not least, what is one event in history? It could be a sporting event or other that you would have loved to have been courtside for. Hmm. Oh, I guess since I'm a diehard, I, I wish I could have been there the night the Knicks actually won a championship. And when he came back out in Game Seven, I, I, to experience that because I've experienced so many great moments with all my sports teams. You got all my sports teams won right. championships at the Knicks in my lifetime. So, so I would. Love to have been there to see the Knicks and Willis Reed popping out of the tunnel, uh, coming back in game seven. <laughs> it would re-spark that, that hope. Something. Just <laughs> Until next something. season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A memory I can have before I die. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Courtside Club. Let everybody know where they can find you and anything else we should be on the lookout for. Okay. You can find me on all social media on It's Mike Hill at It's I-T-S Mike Hill on Twitter, on Instagram, TikTok, I don't know what it is on TikTok, but uh, also uh, continue to buy the book, Open Mic, my memoir. You can get that on Amazon. You can get that at BarnesandNobles.com and Target.com uh, and Walmart.com. And um, just watch out. I got a lot of things coming up, projects, acting gigs, some movies that are coming out that I shot last year. So, yeah, be on the lookout for much, much more from the OG. Cool. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate you having me. Great stuff. It was fun. Hopefully next time it's not another 10 years. We have to do this Well, we can't wait 10 more years. Come on, man. We can't wait 10 more years. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you.